Welcome to the Mastering the Mind podcast. Uh, how you doing all? Yeah, I'm all good. Uh, finally catching up. Uh, a lot of the guest episodes I've had before, we haven't really catched up and we thought, let's get back to our roots and uh, yeah, sort of have a chat before we go into the guest. Yeah. Did you miss me a bit or? Yeah, man, I, m- I missed, uh, even though I'm <laughs> sick of hearing your voice every single day. <laughs> nah, it's nah, good. Uh, it's good to have this little chat beforehand. Yes. Yeah, it's weird because like yeah all these guests have come on and we have like that's like that was like a big part of our episodes wasn't it like having this little uh <laughs> little chat before we started oh, um where we discussed the weather so like how's the weather your end yeah it's unbelievable like yeah. oh my god tomorrow's like saturday so i'm gonna uh, go out play 18 holes and uh hopefully end up in a beer garden afterwards <laughs> yeah it's, it's so nice over here as well like summer is starting like slowly yeah. slowly slowly it's coming but, uh, but yeah oh, so nice. some negative news for me on my end is that i still haven't got a haircut which is really annoying i'm about um, to go and get my second oh it's so lucky I, <sighs> lockdowns finishes monday technically but i've heard that today in belgium they're like having talks of like what the next steps are so uh yeah. yeah, I've uh, I'm going on a holiday on um, Friday, so I'm getting a haircut, my second haircut on Thursday. Get After a quick fade. Yeah, because yeah. your birthday soon, isn't it? Ooh. Yeah, May the first. <laughs> Obviously, this will come out afterwards, but yeah. yeah, it'll be like it'll be pretty close because it'll be like 15 days after, probably. I don't know. Nah, we're we're like three or four weeks ahead. This will come out about last week on oh. May, I think. Yeah. It's only a week until your birthday, isn't it? Yeah. But, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a secret. I'm not gonna I was tell you. <laughs> expected something in the post. Uh, okay. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like May is gonna be a big month for us, isn't it? Because we've got so much coursework to hand in. So, uh, yeah. so we're gonna kind of we're gonna take a step back. You guys won't notice it because we pre-recorded like four episodes. So we're like. It won't be a problem, but we're gonna probably take a step back and uh, and focus on uni for like it will basically be our, our last month technically of like proper uni. Um, and we just got our project to work on, so we'll be able to get ahead again on our podcast. And we've got some exciting uh, guests in the in the pipeline, so stay tuned for that. I think uh, May and June are gonna be huge months of the podcast. Some of the guests that we've got coming out. Yep, and I'm so surprised. Yeah, I, I kind of wanted to talk to you about like having this like little self-reflection of like how far we've come like thinking of like episode one and how where we are now it's completely different people it seems um i think even just interactions with other people as well um and people like before it was me reaching out to people and now people are reaching out to us and i, I find it so so strange being that guy um that the people are coming to talk to you know yeah it's, it I seems like it. we're it seems like we're doing the right thing you know we're putting good content and yeah we're just being ourselves that's one thing i've learned it's just just have to accept being yourself basically Um, yeah i think it's working and like in terms of our development i mean if you compare this to episode one we're we're so much more natural now it's not like robot um and yeah we're both getting really good opportunities outside of the podcast also so yeah it's good 100 percent, and um We've nearly reached uh, 1K followers on Instagram. We should have reached out by the uh, time this comes out, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. And uh, yeah, the 
the surprise might be revealed already, but uh, we have like a little surprise coming for you guys to, yeah. to thank you guys. Um, yeah. One thing I want to say is um, normally we say at the end of the episode, and I'm not sure how many people actually make it all the way to the end, but if you haven't already, subscribe to our YouTube channel because um, it, we find it quite difficult to, to gain subscribers on there. Um, so if you could, we'd really appreciate it. Um, just drop us a sub. Yeah, it's, I think YouTube's changed so much over the years. Like subbing to a channel isn't really a thing anymore. Yeah. Because every like the algorithm has figured out what you what your interests are. So all you have to do is go on your recommended page and then that's Fair it. Enough. Yeah. Don't, a lot of people don't. don't even have accounts. Yeah. Um, so yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, we'll it help it help out us massively <laughs> for sure. But, um, yeah. And yeah, I think Instagram is a really good one if you're not following us on there because we're putting like exclusive clips on there. Um, so if you can't make it throughout the whole podcast, like you can just go on Instagram and catch up, you know? So I think that's a good one. Yeah. Um, and obviously TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. TikTok, TikTok. No, yeah. But yeah. I think it's a good time to sort of, uh, get into the guest. Yep. All right. So today we're welcoming our sixth guest to the podcast and his name is Joey Hewitt. Uh, Joey is a basketball player who plays at point guard position or shooting guard. And this guy is a serious hooper because uh, <laughs> he's one of the most decorated alumni of Whitman College, which was one of the schools he attended back in the day. Yeah. And he also decided to pursue his basketball career in Australia. Uh, but as with a lot of athletes around the world, Joey's basketball season was um, ended prematurely due to COVID. Um, so he had to... He, He's actually, studied, I think he's in the UK at the moment, but um, yeah, so he then decided to come in on, to the UK to undertake his MSc at, at Liverpool Uni, uh, which he's currently finishing right now. He's actually on our course. Um, so let's welcome uh, Jerry to the podcast. Hey, here he is. The boy. <laughs> How are you? I'm all good. Feeling, I, feel, I feel naked without a mic, though. <laughs> I'm looking all professional. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, look at Oliver. Look at Oliver flexing on us. I mean, I yeah. have a mic, but it's not it's not Oliver level right now. <laughs> I recently got this as a early birthday present. So. Nice, nice. Yeah. What you been up to lately, then? Uh, not much, man. Just still training. They got a their first playoff game tomorrow, so um, it's been kind of intense. They've been locked in on that, and then just um, my girlfriend as well as in Nottingham. So I've been able to like be with her and actually like do stuff for once which is cool yeah. i guess but um yeah it's been cool man it's been chill so the listeners who are you playing for currently um so i'm currently practicing with the Loughborough university d1 nbl d1 team um and i've been doing that the whole year and um they have been playing all season since October it's crazy over here that the season's so long that's something that um I had to kind of adjust to getting here because usually basketball season in the states is like November to March mm. and this is like all year so um it's been it's been quite the adjustment just like the entire year is pretty much basketball practice four days a week so yeah it's surprising cool. you say that because when I think of like basketball in America, like I don't, I seriously don't understand how they play so often. They literally play every two days. Like, how do they, how do they recover from like constant? And, you, and you're not even you're traveling as well. So it's like finish a game, get on a flight, next game. You know, is that what it's like? Yeah. Like, 
Yeah, I mean, well, especially for like youth athletes, um, they, I don't know if you guys are familiar with AAU, but that's like club basketball pretty much in the States. Yeah. And it's um, everyone growing up plays AAU basketball. And what they do is they, they'll jam three tournaments in three weeks and you're playing like six games a day. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I didn't play it a lot growing up, but there there have been more like studies coming out recently saying how it might be um, detrimental for like kids physical health like their knees are just getting destroyed by the oh, age yeah. of 16 just playing like six games a day for all summer um and it's uh it's definitely yeah it's a lot more like jam-packed you're playing a lot more games in the states but um over here like at least in the states it's like a season you know there's always a yeah. basketball season um whereas here it feels like it's like the entire year are the games more spread out in the uk or is it still sort of playing every every couple of days no, it's more spread out over here just because it, it's such a such a long schedule. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess that, I mean, maybe it's better in the sense that you get more time to recover. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had a, a lot of friends who have, you know, their bodies were kind of deteriorated by age like 18, 19, which is just not how it should be. That's not how the human body should work. But, um, yeah, luckily for me, I didn't play a lot of AAU growing up. Like, I, I wasn't really that into basketball until, like, later. Um, which I think kind of helped me because my body feels great. So, yeah, you you mentioned so we had like a little uh, call before this podcast, and you mentioned you didn't really sustain any injuries. So like lucky lucky you, <laughs> unlike most people we've had on. Um, but yeah, I swear like the US, like the US is massive, so like that doesn't help the traveling part as well. Like it must be very intense and tiring. Like for them. yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean. And going back to AAU, they have tournaments in Vegas. They have tournaments in LA, um, a lot of East Coast tournaments as well. And if you're at one of the top, if you're a top basketball player in the United States, you're traveling all throughout the country. And like you just said, like it's a way bigger country and there's a lot more traveling hours to be had in those situations. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a, a, it's probably a, a harder grind in the sense of like doing more in a short period of time. Um and that definitely plays a role, like as far as like your physical health and your mental health, to be honest. I'm interested to see your perspective. Do you think that how America do it? So playing um, more games in a short time period. So like you said, it's more of a grind. Do you think you're able to perform better like that? Or do you think, or do you prefer the UK version where it's like the games are more spread out, giving you more time to recover? Um, like, but the traveling is also less as well. Like which one do you prefer in terms of being able to perform optimally? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, it's tough to tell. There's definitely times like I've had um, experiences growing up where um, I would play in an AAU tournament and I feel like playing like eight games in a weekend. And I, I felt like I got like extremely better coming out of that weekend. So there is a benefit to it in the sense that you're getting those game reps because I mean, you can get practice reps or training reps as much as you want, but they'll never be able to simulate like an actual game. So um, I think there is some benefit um, to that. Just like having playing a bunch of games in a row, it also kind of helps with just like your confidence and your overall mental well-being in your sport because you can wash away a bad performance immediately. So you true. Can, yeah, yeah, you can think of you that. have a bad game. You're like, all right, I got four more games to go. Like I'm going to be all right. And it, yeah. it is kind of beneficial in that way. Um, yeah, I think it's easier as well mentally. Like, I mean, I've noticed being here in the UK, it's it's it is a struggle, and it's it's a tough task to be mentally locked in for 
eight months, eight months straight. I mean, you got to just, you really have to like love the game and you have to be completely locked in mentally for a long period of time. And, and that's, I think maybe does make it harder over here mentally um, as far as like staying locked in and staying, you know, focused on the task at hand. Like it, it can get, it can get, you, you can stray away from that with, with such a long period of time within the season. That's such an interesting point because like I've sort of only really known long seasons. Like I play football, so from like August, September to around May, that's sort of that sort of will be our season. So I'd love to sort of experience that, or or maybe go and see the culture in, in America and how they 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 do their games. But in terms of like you said, like being able to get out of a if you have a bad game, you got four more to play like that week or something. Like even if you get into a flow of getting into the zone and you just like constantly right onto the next one, onto the next one, and you're performing well, it'd be easy to sort of maintain that, that high performance because you just, your confidence is just brimming onto the next and the next. Right. Yeah. Do you feel like that's sustainable though? Like, like in the long term, do you think it's beneficial? Because like, it, it, it seems like it's quite short term, like the benefits, but let's say like in like a long season, you'd want to like have that mentality where it's like, like a growth mindset kind of thing, you know, whereas like the short period, like having good three games and like building your confidence based on that. I feel like it's, I don't know. What do you think? Like, yeah, no, that's an interesting point because it, it does kind of take away that, that reflection period of, of being able to like understand, okay, like how am I playing? Um, I mean, I, I would I would be lying to you if I told you I remember like a lot of my AAU games. I honestly don't. Like, I just <laughs> I remember like the places. I remember going to to a lot of tournaments, but I don't remember like the actual games because you literally are just like right into the next one. So there is definitely a point to be made um, as far as like which is better. I don't necessarily know if it's it's a black and white answer like that because it, it there there's benefits and and drawbacks on it. I, I do think there is like kind of a a negative in the sense that you aren't getting to, you know, be like, Oh, like, why did I play poorly that game? You're, you're more so just like, all right, on to the next game. And um, that can help in one, in one area in the sense of like, you know, being able to move past negative experiences, but it also like, are you learning from those negative experiences? And that's something that's, that's definitely could be a negative to, to that type of season. Yeah, it's such an it's interesting crazy. topic that we just like jumped, jumped straight into. <laughs> like, yeah, this podcast is going to be a good one. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's a good topic to sort of discuss because, like, recently um, the news coming out about the Super League uh, in football and the outrage that, that has come from the fans and sort of they're trying to turn the UK sport, like football, into an American sport where, um, yeah, so. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's interesting, but I think football is just a completely different sport to to America uh, and basketball. Um, and like the demands for a basketball player, to they're able to play every couple of days. Where if you try to tell a footballer to play every couple of days, their body would be ruined. Um, so there's just different demands, um, and it's important for these like American owners in these football clubs to sort of understand that because. They are trying to change it just for the money. Um, so, yeah. Right. Yeah. But maybe the demands are like different, like you said, or maybe they're not. Like, I feel like basketball players are super athletic. Like, these guys are like superhuman. So, maybe yeah, like special. My, my point about that was like, th there's a, surely a reason as to why they don't get injured. They can play 82 games in a season, like you said, in a five month period where footballers play 38 games. Uh, including other competition, after 
excluding other competitions uh, and they get even sustain more interest. So like, yeah, it's... Um, Do you think it's rotations? But like basketball like teams rotate more of their players or not really? I'm not... No, they do. Like I feel like in football, it's like the same 11, pretty much the same week. Yeah. Same game. Yeah. I don't know. No, but like with these yeah. more, more competitions coming out and stuff, like footballers are going to end up playing every, every maybe two or three times a week. So... And we're seeing with players like Rashford currently, where he's been overused so much, he's having to play through injuries because he's just carrying Man U. And it's like, we need to give him a rest, but we can't. Um, and with more games coming out, and we're going to go straight into a Euros, um, he's going to have no time to rest. Do you follow football, Joey, or not really? <laughs> You're in the UK, so you have to. <laughs> I yeah. feel like I have to, yeah. <clears throat> I, I definitely don't. I'm not like that into it. I used to play FIFA all the time. I think I'm okay. more of like more of like 2012 to like 2014. That's my yeah. that's my era. Um, but no, I, I, it's also interesting to me just to hear about like the culture of, of football over here and how like it, it is. Like I, I was thinking about it too. Like it's a 90 minute game. Like you have to you're on the pitch like for way longer than basketball players are on the court and there's like a lot more stoppages in basketball where you're just able to like take a rest um yeah. and sit on the bench but like you said like soccer or football excuse me <laughs> 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 that, might, that might not be the last time i make that mistake <laughs> it's, it's yeah it's like the same it's like pretty much the same 11 like i barely any see any i barely see any subs like and when they do happen it's like one what is the maximum three people that can sub yeah. in yeah. yeah, so like it's no. a different game. <clears throat> it is. So yeah, that was a, it was a good little conversation to have at the start there. But uh, normally when we have a guest on, we sort of talk in a chronological order. So I think let's take it back to, to you growing up. Uh, so did you grow up in California? What was that like? Yeah, I had a great childhood, man. I'm blessed to be able to grow up in California, um, <clears throat> right around San Francisco. Um, just a, a beautiful place. And I grew up um, with with kind of a, a sporty family. So I was, I was always surrounded by sports. Um, my first love was always the golden state warriors. Like that's like the first thing that I really like attached to when I was a kid. Um, what was they like when, like from, from like when you was growing up, was they, cause I've only just recently got into basketball and I just know them to be like a like super team. Like uh, yeah. what, what was it like growing up? Were they like still a good team or? They were shit. They were were bad. I mean, when I, especially when I first got into basketball, they were really bad. Then they were like one of those teams um, that just consistently was bad. It was, it was like a culture thing where like no one expected, Oh, the Warriors are playing. That's an easy win. You know, like that's how, that's how teams would kind of show up playing against the Warriors. But um, luckily the reason I got into basketball was actually they had, this one this one team in uh 2006 2007 when i was like nine ten years old and they had a team that out of nowhere just made it into the playoffs and were the eighth seed and they beat the number one seed dallas mavericks who had dirk Nowitzki at the time um and that was the season that actually like made me fall in love with basketball um it was just like one of those things they were the first eight seed to beat a number one seed in in a seven game series in the playoff and like haven't seen that was when I knew like I love sports and I love basketball and I love the Warriors and like ever since then like my my fandom and just my my love for that team has just been at the the very top of my list of my life like that's the only team I I really do care about 
Um, I'm into American football as well, but not nearly as much as I am into basketball. <clears throat> yeah, and it's a good time to support them now, I guess, because like they've they're like popping off like these past years uh, with Curry like integrating the team. Like I guess he changed it up. Would you like, say that? <laughs> yeah. Would you say that? Um... Like Steph Curry was sort of an inspiration to you, or or was there any other players that sort of inspired you to play? So I know you said like one player's name. Uh, uh well, wait, who are you, who are you talking about? Another different player? Yeah, you, you just recently Dirk. mentioned it, but I couldn't I couldn't repronounce it. Like, <laughs> Dirk. Dirk. Dirk yeah, Dirk yeah. yeah, he was on the, he was on the Mavericks. He was on a different oh, team. Oh, okay. Um, he is a legend though. Um, but no, it really is Steph Curry, man. I mean, look at look at Curry, man. You know, he's so inspirational. So, so inspirational. <laughs> he, he is. I mean, I actually was uh, I before he got drafted to the Warriors, um, he played college basketball against a team that is like five minutes away from my house. Um, and I I remember watching that game, um, his very last college game, um, and I was like this this guy is incredible. Like he's not this, he's not the most um, athletic looking player. He's not the most intimidating looking player. He, especially back then he had a baby face, no yeah. facial hair, just this scrawny shooter who was getting buckets. And it's like <laughs> that to me, I think is why Steph Curry is such a, he's such a unique enigma in the NBA is because you have like LeBron James, you have Kevin Durant, you have like Kawhi Leonard, you have guys who are Giannis Antetokounmpo who are just like freaks, like they are athletically gifted. And yeah. you look at those players and you can't, you can't say to yourself like, Oh, I want to be, I want to be them. Like you're never going to be that. <laughs> so yeah. when you look at Steph Curry, you see this like normal looking dude and you're like, dang, I want to be that. And in your mind, you're actually like, you can actually really visualize yourself like, Oh, I actually could become that because I physically have that that same like relatability to him and i think that's really like what pushed me man like that's um steph curry started to get good in the nba right when i was in high school and that was really when i started to kind of start to fall in love with basketball and understand like okay like i want to work on my game because i'm watching steph curry this dude who doesn't look anything like most of the top nba players um just start to dominate and that to me was like the biggest inspiration i had in my life, to be honest. And, it, and it, it, it was through basketball, but it taught me so much more about, about everything. <clears throat> so good to have like, like people that you can actually see yourself, like you can relate to, like, like you said, these guys are like massive, like uh, athletically gifted. And he's like one of the very few in the NBA where you could say like, Oh, I want to be like him. And, uh... but there's one player I wanted to ask you about is Tony Parker. Do you think you get the same vibes as him or like, cause I feel like he's kind of, he was also uh, not really a freak of nature. He was like a normal dude, especially coming from France. And like, you know, do you, yeah. do you kind of feel the same about him or? Yeah, uh, he he was definitely, he was very quick. Uh, I remember him, he was like one of the fastest players on the court usually. Um, but he's another player. And I mean, there's definitely like more like it, like, like they have that Steph Curry effect. I think to me, um, what made Steph different is the shooting. And Tony Parker was really good. He had a great floater. He had he had really yeah. good like quickness and ball handling. He could push the pace really well. Um, and for me, like I think the reason Steph stood out to me, and this is like pretty relatable to most kids growing up, like all they care about is shooting, you know, like nowadays, yeah. especially it's like, oh, I just want to shoot the three. Like the three ball has become more important than the dunk, which is yeah, crazy was, to think. 
Yeah, I mean, when I was growing up, any all anyone cared about was lowering the rim and throwing down dunks. But nowadays, it's like, oh, let's shoot NBA threes. It's crazy how much it's changed. Even in 2K, it's like that, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> we played oh, 2K. Yeah. yeah. I was so shocked when I heard that. Like, my, my brother is quite knowledgeable on, um, on um, like, NBA and stuff. And he was telling me that, yeah, the three-point, like, back in the day, wasn't really a, wasn't really a thing. No one really shot threes. And no. the like that's all I know. So I was so surprised when that um, when he told me that. Yeah. Steph Curry changed the game, man. It, it's a it's a fact. <laughs> yeah, it's but definitely inspiring. Even even that like that recent competition, like the shooting competition, was it in the All Star All Star game? Three point test. Yeah. Oh my god! Like the guy was so calm. <laughs> he yeah. knew. I felt like he knew he was gonna win before he shot he shot that last like the rack of balls. Like it's mad. This guy. He got off to a shaky start as well during that yeah. one. Um, yeah. And then he like saw I just clutched up. You just knew he was as well. Um, so obviously Steph Curry was an inspiration. Was that, you said you had a sporty family. Was it, was anyone else uh, um, sort of inspired you? Like uh, maybe your parents or your siblings? Yeah. I mean, my brother definitely was a big inspiration for me as well. I have an older brother who um, he played American football um, in college. And I just seen that getting to, to watch him, um, play sports all growing up it's like the, the classic like uh big bro little bro complex or like you see your big brother do all these things you know like i want to do all that stuff um yeah. and he obviously went a different route with american football um and now like i mean his back's so messed up he can barely walk so like i kind of knew like okay maybe i should go a different route not play the sport that just like <laughs> your body so yeah um i yeah i i gravitated a little more towards basketball in that sense but um my brother as well, just like he, he was always pushing me. He kind of like bullied me a little bit as a kid. And, and at the time, you know, I was like, I was always pissed off at him. And I was always, I, I was like, oh, I hate my brother. But it's funny looking back now. And I'm like, I always say like, thank you. Like, thank you for like doing that. Cause it really did like toughen me up and show me that like, like no one, not, it's not going to be easy. You know, like there's not going to be, it's not going to be all peaches and roses throughout your journey. And I learned that from an early age by constantly showing up at home every day and just getting beat up like he would literally just it was like an, <laughs> like after school every day i would just like show up at my house and be like all right ready to get beat up let's go <laughs> get it done with the belt. <laughs> yeah. I'm, st I'm still waiting for the thanks from my brother i have i'm the older brother so uh yeah it's sort of the opposite for me <laughs> he'll come around he'll come yeah, around he will <laughs> but, um, but yeah in terms of like your basketball career like take us through that like where did it start and like where where are you at now like takes to it yeah um so i grew up i literally played my, my entire life for as long as i can remember but um i wasn't that good to be honest i wasn't the best basketball player i was um a late bloomer like i, I was very small too um so growing up i wasn't that good like i loved playing basketball but i was always just like kind of like a role player um i would just like i was on like the good teams but i wasn't ever like to the point of like, oh, like that kid's good. Like I never really stood out. Um, and that continued on through high school. Um, I was playing high school basketball. And like a lot of times, like when you get to high school, like the good players, like if you're a freshman in high school, like your first year, you'll play up and you'll play with like the varsity team. I didn't do that. I played with like the freshman team. Um, and then my next year I played with like the B team. And then finally my junior year, I played with the varsity team and, um, that's kind of when things started to, to get better for me. My junior year, I hit a little bit of a growth spurt and I started to actually understand like 
okay, you actually have to like work on your game. It's so, it sounds like such common sense now, but honestly, when I was a kid at the time, I didn't really understand the the concept of like, like getting what you put in. Um, and that whole, that whole idea of working hard to actually see results. Um, that was a lesson I learned. And it's something that, um, you know, it sounds so simple when you say it, but like to actually do it, it's way tougher. And people don't really like, still like people don't understand like how to actually put in the right type of work. Um, cause that's the thing. Like I would always shoot like around in my, in my backyard, like in, on my hoop outside, but like to actually start to, to really like zone in like, okay, I want to get better at this, this, and this, like I'm going to set goals for myself. I'm going to actually like have a structure to getting better. Um, uh, I learned how to do that in my last two years of high school. And, um, luckily I, I got improved a lot those two years. And I got to the point where, um, I was looking to play college basketball. I had not a lot of options, to be honest. Like I was very, um, under recruited. I would say I didn't, I didn't really have many options. I could have potentially walked on, which is like, you pretty much just sit the bench for four years at like a, a division one school. Um, I also could have gone like the junior college route. Uh, if you'd like the last chance you stuff like that whole, that whole journey is like a, that is a, a movie pretty much I mean, yeah. literally yeah. Created into a TV series. But um, I decided to go to a small division three school up in Walla Walla, Washington. Uh, yeah. That's <laughs> Walla Walla. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I decided to, to do that, it literally happened at the last minute. The coach called me in the summer after my senior year. So like two months, three months before I was supposed to go to school. Um, and I was just like, just took a chance. I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And I, I pretty much just like jumped into the unknown, knowing I wanted to keep playing basketball. And um, from there, I played four years. First year was really rough. Like I didn't play at all. Um, and then... The, after that first year, I got in touch with a sports psychologist, um, started really like working on my game physically, but also supplementing it with mental stuff, which was completely what changed it. Because after that first year, I started playing a lot more. Um, my, my last three years in college, our team went 31 and one, 29 and two, and then 28 and two. So like those last three years were unbelievable because I was playing a lot. Um, we were winning damn near every game. And, um, it was just a, like a, a really good experience. Like everything is truly better when you're winning. Um, just like the coaches, the players, like just the whole vibe around the, the program is way better. And, um, just getting to experience that was honestly unbelievable. And like college really was like one of the, like, the best years of my life and, um, yeah. basketball contributed to that heavily. So yeah, that's pretty much my college journey. And now like, um, from there I wanted to keep playing, um, I originally actually came <clears throat> to the UK after college and did a little internship with the Leicester Riders. And I was practicing with the Leicester Riders and doing sports psychology for the Charnwood Academy team and okay. did that for about three months. And then after that, I went to Australia to go play um, in the NBL one over there. And sadly, after two months, literally the day before our first game um, was when Corona kind of started to pick up and our season got canceled um from there and then i had to go back home and then after that i had to make a decision about either going back to australia or coming here and getting my masters um and i did want to, i always wanted to get the masters and i think that was like my biggest priority so um that's what kind of brought me back here and, and where i am now 
Yeah, that's a really good story. I'm um, just taking it back to uh, your college um, and when you worked with a sports psychologist. When I was um, sort of doing research around you and, and looking at your stats, I saw that you were uh, popping off like last three years, like especially during your final year. I saw that you dropped like double, in terms of your points, it was like double figures apart from one game. Um, what were the sort of stuff you worked on with a sports psychologist? Um, was there anything you like, needed to work on specifically or was it just as an overall? Yeah, um, it was really confidence, to be honest. That was the biggest thing with me. And it's funny because that's such a vague term, like confidence, you know, it means so, so much. But um, to me, it was just like uh, I was always nervous before games and I felt like I would always practice, like I would always play. Whenever I was alone, I felt like I was an amazing player. My confidence was through the roof. But anytime I got into like practice or pressure performance, that type of stuff, I felt like it just did, it wasn't the same and I didn't ever feel the same. Um, and so that was what kind of like brought me to the sports psychologist. Um, and honestly it, it evolved into every, pretty much everything else. Like it, it turned into, you know, how to be more consistent, how to just, um, have the right mindset going into practices, but it, it really was the, the, the source of it or the root of all the problems was confidence because that's something that just for me, like growing up as someone who was smaller growing up, like late bloomer, um, didn't really mature as quickly as, as other kids. Like that was something that affected me. Like that was not only did it affect me during the time, but even after I grew and even after like, you know, I caught up to everyone, um, through like through the maturity process, like I still had those mental barriers that were like still sitting with me from, from those times, those earlier times. And I felt like, um, working with a sports psychologist, like actually helped me like look deeper inside of me and embrace them rather than just like, what I was trying to do is just like push them away and act like I was good now. But really I had to like, let them in, let those problems in and let all those insecurities in. And then once I did that, like everything changed, I was just able to actually have confidence from within rather than just like being confident about like a good game. I, I had the confidence before any of that, you know, it wasn't really attached to any results or performances. Mm -hmm. uh, it was just something that was like underlying within me. <clears throat> Do you feel like that's been able to transfer into other areas of your life as well? So the stuff that you worked on in terms of building this confidence, building this growth mindset, do you feel like you've been able to take that into other areas, if you like, such as education and your master's? Yeah, that's actually the coolest thing by far since getting into sports psychology, because you don't really expect it going into it. Like you're obviously doing it for your sport. Um, but I didn't realize how much it would help me just like, in everyday life. Like I had a lot of social anxiety growing up too. And then once I started working with a sports psychologist, you just use the same things that they tell you about your sport in your mm -hmm. everyday life. And it works. It's crazy, but it, it really is like so transferable to everything you do. Um, and that is, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, it actually is like one of the most important parts of sports psychology that I don't think gets enough awareness or enough talk about is like, this isn't just for sport. This is for your mental health. This is for, um, for what everything you have going on in your life. Like if you're, if you're studying or if you're, you're working at a new job, like any of that stuff, like sports psychology can help that. Um, and that's why like my sports psychology page, like I have a few friends who follow it who aren't even athletes and they've messaged me saying like, Oh, I love your page. And that's like the coolest part to me is like, you don't even have to be an athlete to get, to get like the, the benefits of it. You just have to understand like, okay, you just have to transfer it to what you're going through in life. And that's just a great lesson for like what sports psychology can do.
Yeah, it's like a massive misconception, like you said, and I feel like like we know as studying sports psychology, like if it doesn't go well at home, it it will it will probably won't go well on on the field or on the basketball court. So there is a link. So it's really important to like recognize it, like you said. But um, I I do have a question. Like in high school, it seems like you understood quite early the importance of sports psychology, like setting goals. I feel like that's already you're actually doing sports psychology in, in a sense. Is that is that from yourself, or did someone like influence you to kind of set these goals, etc.? Um, yeah, I didn't even know it was sports psychology. That's the thing. Like yeah. at the time, I had no idea. I didn't know what sports psychology was until I got to college. So like, um, it definitely had to do with my coach. Like I had a really good coach in high school um, for one of my years. That I had, I had an incredible coach who. who you know, stress the importance of goal setting and mindset and that type of stuff. And um, that was like definitely the, the the beginning phase of it for me. It was just those two years when I actually like improved my game and was like, okay, I want to play college basketball. Um, yeah, I was using mental training without even realizing it. And I think, I think the reason why, like I, I potentially, you know, I had that, I had that experience there, but then I got to college and I struggled my first year. Um, and a part of it obviously was due to like transition and, and going to a new place. But I think it also like had to do with a sense, like I did all that and I didn't really realize that that was like beneficial for me. I didn't, I still didn't fully grasp the concept of like that was sports psychology and that will help my game. Um, I was just doing it because like, I love the sport of basketball and I just like wanted to see results. I was still so attached to results back then. So like when I saw that I worked on my game and it made me play better, like that was all I was focused on during that time. So um, I was, I was definitely doing it back then, but I wasn't doing it um, with the same mindset and the same type of, yeah, the same like growth mindset, honestly. Yeah. Like consciously. I feel like that's normal though, because like at that stage, our brains aren't like that developed, like fully developed. They're not, they're not like they are now, but I, I think at that age, it's important to also like play your sport for, for like, for the fun of it also. Um, that's what we endorse a lot in, through this podcast. Like, I know it always has this reference where uh, it was like Michael Jordan playing bas- um, baseball at like 12, 14 or something. And yeah, it's just, it's just crazy. Like, yeah, enjoy what you do. Yeah. Um, I'm really interested about this sort of um, you going to play professionally in Australia. Like, I want to really talk about that. And like, what was your, so before you knew that COVID was happening, um, like, did you think this is going to be like the start of your career? Um, like, you're about to kickstart it again. Hopefully, have a good few seasons to make it back to America. Yeah, I mean, goal? yeah, I don't know about making it back to America. I guess potentially, um, like going to the G League, that would be yeah. something like the, the, the developmental league in, the, in America. But no, nah, definitely. I mean, it was. I, I remember it was about 13 months ago. Like, honestly, um, when it happened, but. Um, I remember being like fully into that mindset because I had I had all the tools at that point. Um, I, I really felt like, um, you know, I was I was at the point where I, I had learned so much from sports psychology and from basketball in general that I was like finally in a new space. And, it, and the thing with that league is um, I was like being an American in Australia, you're going to get a lot of touches. You're going to get a lot of attention. Um, mm-hmm. And it is like it, it can get to your head sometimes it can get like it can become a distraction sometimes, but I was just so locked in and so focused on um, being able to perform, like finally being able to play again. Um, and it was like, it was really tough, man. Like I'm going to be honest, especially uh, doing that. And then coming back here 
and finding out that, um, you know, Bucks is canceled and NBL Division Two is canceled, which I would have played in. So like this, these past two years have been like, especially um, they, they tested my, my mental, my mental toughness and just like my resilience in general. And I've noticed like, it's easy to just like get down on yourself and be like, dang, like I've had two seasons in a row canceled now. Um, but the, the, the silver lining in it all and the things I've realized through, through this, this tough time is like, this has helped me be able to empathize with so many new different types of players. Like um, there's a player, there's a player here at Loughborough who um, has been injured for most of the season. And I realized like, you know, he was talking to me, telling me like how tough it is to be injured, like just wanting to go out and play. And I was like, dang, like I know exactly how you're feeling right now because I'm in, I'm not injured, but I actually have way more empathy for people who are injured now than I ever did. Because like I said, like I've never had an injury. I've never, I've never had like a significant injury that made me miss time. So I, I was like, a part of me was like, oh, well, can I even like work with people who are injured, like from a sports psychology standpoint? But then having this experience made me like, kind of have like a new a new layer of confidence in that realm and understand like okay like I actually now understand what it's like to like want to play and feel like you should be playing but you can't play and that's that's something that I've learned the past two years more so just the past year um, of like being able to trust the process and take it one day at a time and, see, and be able to see like the big picture and take those, those little day by day steps to get to that big picture goal. And like, I still have goals. Like I still want to go back to Australia. I still want to play. Um, and I do like, yeah, it's definitely a goal. I'd love to, to play in like the G league. That would be something that's like extreme. That's, a, that's definitely, that'd be an extreme accomplishment for me just from where I've come from and, and knowing that like, I shouldn't even have been playing college basketball. Like I barely got recruited. And the fact that I'm still here, um, still like getting able to experience these types of things overseas has been like the stuff that keeps me going. Obviously the love of basketball is like the, the, the base, but um, those types of things are what you have to have to get, to keep yourself going. Uh, yeah. I love that. I love that um, empathy bit where like in our injuries episode, we sort of talk about the positive, like looking at the positives of injury. And one of them was developing this empathy and be being able to empathize with people who are injured. And the fact that you've not, actually experience an injury but you can sort of now like see where they're coming from that's it like you've looked at the positives from that and that's so key when dealing with a, a transition or a setback uh, looking at what what are the positives that have come out of this rather than just dwelling on the negatives um so it's definitely good that you've uh, that you've done that i guess you can't really see the positives straight away but there are definitely positives that will come out of it just need to take that time but yeah definitely an inspiring story there <laughs> yeah but um i was gonna ask you a question but i forgot what it was i forgot <laughs> um so yeah, yeah going, going back to like australia um hopefully uh covid sort of like it's coming to an end and more or less i don't know what the situation is in australia um but the uk like i mean we're doing uh we're doing well now so uh hopefully you'll be able to make it back over there soon yeah, it's not as bad in Australia, actually. Um, and they had, I mean, this is just another thing, like adding chips to my shoulder. This, this is something that I've learned to do as well. Um, like you have to, you have to take these experiences and like, you know, embrace them. You can't just push them away. You have to like, let them in, let, let yourself feel that anger and that frustration. And like, like for Australia, for example, like I could have gone back there this year. I could have, um, instead of going, coming here and doing this podcast, like I could be in Australia, you know, falling out 
And that's something to me, like they, they actually got another player. They have an American who's like playing very well right now in that league. And so for me, it's like, okay, you can either like get down about that and think about like the what if, or right. I can just use that as like an everyday motivator. Like that's like a blessing to me because now I have like, I look at their box score. I see their, their American dropped a triple double. Like, I love that. I love seeing that because that makes me so much more motivated. And that makes me like, you know, it, it adds to that, just that, that fire. And it, and it creates that bigger chip on my shoulder that makes me want to keep going. It weirdly, it's weird because it makes me at first, it makes me like demotivated and it makes me feel like, Oh, like I don't want to be here. Yeah. And then after I sit with it and let it like flow through me, I'm like, I want to play even more. Like it, it just go, it swings in the exact opposite direction. And I think that's a very important mindset to have, especially for like kids who get like cut from a team or get like released from a, from a squad. Like those types of experiences can literally like, it's, it's such a cliche, like make or break your career, but like mm. it, it, it's like one or the other, there's no in between. You either use it as motivation or it completely demotivates you. I feel like there is, it's, it's literally those two ends of the spectrum. So true. That's, that's I can already see that being a clip uh, yeah. <laughs> on our Instagram. Yeah. Uh, do you feel, do you, do you feel like this, like that type of reaction you had, like the, like being quite down because of the season ended was like majorly due to your like identity. Like, cause obviously basketball was like a huge part of yourself, like of, of what you, who you are. Like, do you think that's, that was like a main reason? The fact that it's kind of like your identity is like kind of taken away in a sense. Yeah, huge. I mean, I actually had a similar experience to that after my last game in college. Um, you know, with the NCAA tournament, like it's a one and done situation. So you go into every game, like especially us in, in at, at Whitman College where I went, like we were the number one team in the nation. We didn't think we were going to lose. And then all of a sudden um, we lose that game in the Sweet 16. And I'm like completely lost. I remember those next two days, like I was like, I don't even know who I am anymore. And it really is like, it's such a, it's such a strong, powerful feeling that is just like, wow, like basketball meant way more to me than I even realized. And I was lucky to honestly have that experience after college because then when it happened again in Australia, um, I kind of already knew those feelings. And I, I already like had, had knew how to, I knew how to deal with them from the, from the last time when I dealt with them um, in college. And it's funny because, at the time I really didn't think I was going to be playing like uh, being a division three player. It's not, not a lot of division three players continue playing after college. It's just like, not the, it's not the stereotype of, of a division three basketball player. But um, so I, I did assume like, I was like, I'm not playing anymore. And then I ended up still playing, but then I didn't end up playing. So I had to deal with it again. And that happened again this year with like the same thing. Like, okay. I'm ready to start playing. And then I'm not playing. So I've dealt with it now, honestly, three times. And so I've gotten to the point now where it's like basketball to me, like it still is my, it, it's not like who I am. I'm just like, it's what I do. Like, I'm not, I'm not a basketball player. I'm a human being that plays basketball. So like that to me has been something that I've found like solace in. And I've, I've been able to found, find comfort and just that whole idea of like, I'm, I'm going to be all right, no matter what, like basketball is a, it's a huge part of me, but it's not it isn't me. So yeah, that's, that's been the, the biggest mindset I, that, that I've found to work with that situation. Yeah. That's a great sort of message to promote. And the fact that you're doing things outside of basketball, like studying for um, like your masters and, and doing other things outside of basketball is something I'd say f for anyone to do that sort of um, trying to make a career out of a sport, focus on other things also. 
Yeah, um, we we had a great guest on Kenji. Um, he got released from Manchester United, and he was talking about how, like he he like most of like rightly so he he felt like his whole whole identity was like taken away from him. But he's now realised that football doesn't define him, and he's doing so much more off the pitch, and that's what he's promoting. And I feel like such a, such an important message to to kind of share. Yeah, something. Uh, it's like a message that we're trying to really reiterate, sort of more every often, episode. Every episode. <laughs> we, we always seem to come onto this. Obviously, it's like a really big, uh, a big topic that needs to be had, and, and maybe a big problem. I don't know what it's like in it, like you spoke about the transition in basketball, um, and a lot of players get cut and stuff, and it's the same in football. Um, so it's important for these kids because a lot of kids shape their identities solely within either a professional basketball context or a professional football context. Um, and the reality is that like 1% actually make it to the professional level and the rest are sort of either would get their career back on, on their feet, like like you said, going and playing in Australia or, or in England. Um, there are other opportunities, but sometimes people don't even find their feet again and are cut completely and what have they got to fall back on? So it's important about widening your identity, realising that you are more than just a basketball player or more than a football player. And um, yeah, focusing on other things also. Yeah. And, uh, you, wait, wait, wait. Have you found, because a lot of coaches and stuff promote this all or nothing sort of um, message where you had to sacrifice everything to make it to the professional level. Um, but you sort of identified these, wait, when you work with a sports psychologist that, there are skills that are transferable outside. So even though you're working on like your basketball skills and that and, and your technical ability, a lot of the stuff mentally is transferable outside of basketball. Um, so, so yeah. Definitely. And yeah. Like, like studying sports psychology in the UK and like having experienced uh, like sports psychology sessions back home in, in the US, what would you say is like the big difference or is there any difference would you say in, in like kind of those sessions yeah i mean just based on this the sports psychologist i worked with um in the states he's very um zen like he's very unique and uh, the way he goes about it i think might not be the traditional way and i think over here is a lot more traditional um it's definitely more focused on like a structured plan um with an athlete and being able to you know, um, sit, sit down for like a, like an intake interview, stuff like that. Like, I didn't even know what that term was before I got here, but now I understand like, okay, like you have to have like an intro meeting where you get to know the player, get to know like, uh, maybe what their problems are. And then you, you set out like different goals for them to set. Whereas like when I was in the States, it was just like, he would basically just like talk to me and I just like spew what was on my mind. And then he'd just, you know, give me the right perspective to kind of reframe my mindset. And it was way more just kind of like, fly by the seat of your pants type of attitude where you're just like going for it. Like you don't really have to have um, a structure to it. He just did it based on feeling. He's so talented at what he does. Um, his name is Graham Betchart for anyone who's, who's interested, but um, he's so talented at what he does that he just like, doesn't it? like the way he talks or that just that alone can, can make a difference and just, you know, affect the way I perceive, you know, my, my situation. So um, I still talk to him to this day. And I've talked to him about like how things are a little different over here. And he said like, yeah, some, some people do it that way. And I think it really is just about like finding what works for you. Um, Cause I mean, it's so, it's so easy as a sports psychologist to get like 
be so consumed about, okay, what do I, I need to make sure I cater my, the way I do it to the athlete or the person I'm working with. But in reality, like if you're not doing something that feels right for you and it is not true to the way you think you should do it, then you're going to, it's not going to feel, it's not going to feel the same way and it's not going to get the same effect. So um, what he stressed to me, and I think is very important is like, you just have to find what works for you. And, and, you know, if there is structure to that and there's, um, you know, like setting goals and, and doing a bunch of, of different activities to kind of, to work with that, um, then that's your route. But like, if, if it's, you know, doing it more so just in a conversational manner where you're just kind of talking to someone and getting, getting to know like where their thoughts are coming from and then work through it that way. Like that's the way it works. It really just is, it's personal to you. And I think that's the coolest thing about sports psychology. There's not like a blueprint, like there's not like a right or wrong way to do it. It's really just, um, you know, like how can you make it the best possible, you know, way for you and how, how you, how you can emphasize that. <clears throat> Yeah, I think for any listeners sort of thinking about um, hire, like hiring a sports psychologist, I think not basing your complete sports psychologist, like your view on them, just on one experience, because a lot of sports psychologists have different styles. And if you go and have a bad experience with a sports psychologist, it's not necessarily going to be like that with every other sports psychologist. And um, so sort of finding what works for you um, and, and what you'd want from like a sports psychology session, um, because a lot of people are more structured. Some people just free will it and just give their overall perspective. Um, but one thing I would say is that anyone who's accredited, a lot of what they say is backed up by hours and hours of research that have been published, um, a lot of studies, a lot of accreditation that you have to go through. So yeah, that's something I'd say to, to any listeners. So true, so right. And yeah, it's just finding the right fit. We're, we're so many in the world, so <laughs> just, yeah, just find find it who's right for you then this is a great point like talking about sports psychologists to sort of we've talked about like your playing career and things i think it's a good time to move on to your professional career so um why did you start studying, uh, studying sports psychology so like you sort of touched on this briefly but but what was the you surely couldn't just jump straight onto a master's like did you study beforehand what what was that like uh yeah i studied psychology um uh, for my bachelor's in in college and uh, i mean i knew obviously growing up playing sports my whole life. Um, I wanted to do that. It kind of goes back to like the whole identity thing. Um, you know, we've talked about, like, I, I knew I loved sports. And when I was done playing basketball, I was like, I felt so lost. Cause I was like, Oh no, like I have to jump into the real world now, real world now and do like other things. But I realized like, no, like I'm still going to follow my heart. Like basketball is still like, you know, where my heart is. So it just means I have to kind of find a different way to, to, you know, show that love for the game. And I, and I realized like through my studies in psychology, um, in undergrad, I, I just knew that that was what I wanted to do. Like I, I knew I wanted to stay involved in the game. Um, I didn't necessarily want to be like a coach. Um, so I, I wanted to do something kind of in the middle of that. And I feel like sports psychology is a great way to do that. Um, I did a thesis or like a dissertation in college on um, how mental training affects confidence and just like perceived performance in basketball. Um, and that was kind of like the start of it where I, I started to actually like dive into sports psychology from a research point of view and, and see like kind of all the different studies around it. And that was when I really like was locked in like, okay, this is what I want to do. Like I want to get my master's um, and then I want to, you know, start jumping into this world. Um, obviously, still haven't even really done that yet. Like there's still so much time. And uh, I just 
you know, I'm in kind of the mindset of like just grinding, just trying to learn information, just kind of get better at, at what I'm doing and, and continue to, to just grind it out throughout these these next however many years. Yeah, I was sort of very similar to you in, in, in terms of like the identity thing. So obviously my football career did not materialise whatsoever, but I knew I wanted to do something in sport. And if I wasn't to do anything in sport, I wouldn't know what that is. So I sort of went to Loughborough College and sort of, tried to figure out what, what in sport I actually specifically liked. So I studied sports science and then whatever it was in that, I sort of went on to study at um, undergrad level and then obviously postgrad. So, so yeah, in, in terms yeah. of like having a high athletic identity, um, it can be like work through, like you don't, it's not necessarily just playing the sport. You can have a high athletic identity, but do all the things with that. Yeah, for sure. And do you want to become like a practitioner or a researcher or um I'm guessing you want to be a practitioner or um or? yeah I kind of want to do a little bit I kind of want to do something different to be honest man I want to do like um I want to incorporate basketball like skills training involved in sports psychology that would be like a that's like a, a, a long-term like big time goal for me is I want to be able to you know there's so many I don't know how much you guys have seen of like basketball trainers like Chris Brickley is like the most popular one on Instagram he trains like a bunch of NBA players and pretty much um, you just work like you work out with a dude one on one and you're just, you know, getting working on your game. But we've neglected the mental aspect of it. And, you know, we do so much work on physical training and I want to kind of integrate mental training within skills development. So like being able to being able to train someone one on one just because I know basketball and, and I feel like I have this unique skill set in the sense that I still play basketball and I've, I've played it at a high level. But I also am into this mental performance world. So um I definitely would like to do be a practitioner and, and start to work with like clients like that. But I also would like to, you know, incorporate mental, mental and physical training together and do like, okay, like instead of just doing mental sessions on zoom, like three times a week, let's go and work out and actually like train this stuff we're talking about in person. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like um, a, a big misconception with sports psychology is it's just like, Oh, you like talk about it or you like talk about the right way to do it. But then once you get in the moment, you know, you can't do it. Um, so being able to actually like put them, put, put people in that situation we're like, okay, we're in a, we're in a live situation right now, like with a basketball in our hands, how can we train our mind to, to put ourselves in a game like situation and actually train the mind that way? I think that's a little more, um, it just makes the mind a little more salient to those pressure performances and understanding like, okay, this is how I have to perform in this situation. Now I have it, like I have the ball in my hand. Like I, I feel a little more um it, it's it's kind of like how visualization is yeah is effective you know it's like if you put yourself in that situation and imagine that you know you're around a big crowd and you're around like a, a extremely pressured environment um it, it'll definitely help help you perform better uh, yeah. yeah i was gonna say that with the mental imagery so um like you have to kind of like smell the environment like like see it feel the ball it's like really about your senses so that's a really interesting uh perspective you have there Quite different. Yeah. I'm a strong believer in um, like the best coaches are like have a good knowledge of psychology. So the fact that you're combining the two is sort of from that that perspective. I know a lot of like the fo- the best football coaches in the world sort of know how their players tick, um, like what works for them, and the fact that yeah, like you're working with them on, on both at the same time, um, you probably see like huge benefits to their game. Yeah, definitely. And in terms of like your Instagram, like. It seems like you're doing a, a really good job and like what's your kind of mission with that what's your objective with, with 
with the Instagram page? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it really doesn't have that, <laughs> that concrete of an objective or a goal. It, it, I really just started, I, I created during lockdown, um, when we were in like self-isolation for 14 days and I was like, okay, I literally have nothing to do. So, um, that was like the start of it. I had no idea where I was going with it. I honestly still don't know where I'm going with it, but, um, I I've learned so much more just from posting, like just having to find content every day. It almost is like a way to keep my mind fresh and keep my mind sharp of like, okay, this is like what I'm going to learn about today. Like I just pick a topic, mm. um, and then, and then find something to post, write about it. And then the fact that I have to write a caption about it is like right then and there, like, I feel like I'm already, um, working on like being a sports psychologist and, and kind of training myself in that sense. Um, I, I would like to, you know, as like a potential goal, like, um, it, it should be a great way for me to like pick up more clients and, and be able to um, connect with more people. I've, I mean, I, I know I see you guys, like you guys have done a great job of it as well. You can network with so many other sports psychologists. You can meet so many people who are in our field. So like, that's another way of like, you know, it, it, it's helped me in that sense as well. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Like, like yeah. the fact that you have to make content around like different topics and, and different quotes and, and stuff like that. Like, we're finding that doing this podcast is de- helping us develop so much in terms yeah. of our own ability to talk about sports side topics. And like, I remember um, we done a self control episode that's just come out. Um, and before that, we were really daunted by. Like, I remember studying for that exam. I, I was struggling. But the fact that I sort of had to make it into a podcast and sort of um, not dumb it down, but so other people understand who aren't into psychology um, has helped me understand it even further. And we found that that podcast ended up being one of our best ones because like, yeah, it's, it's just so surprising. So it's definitely good. Like sort of putting yourself out of your comfort zone and um, yeah, learning about other topics and stuff. Definitely. Yeah. In a sense, that's what we're going to have to do later on like, as practitioners. We're going to have to like translate this like complex information in like, research papers and stuff to our clients. So it's really good practice, I, I find. But yeah. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. good for networking as well. Like, we, like we've got such big plans coming out of, of this Masters just from, just from doing this podcast and, and building a following. Um, so yeah, can't wait for that. Oh, I, I see it. You guys are skyrocketing. I see you yeah. like in every post too. You got yeah. <laughs> the <Yeah>. engagement. <laughs> <laughs> you have to, but yeah, we're, we're excited to see what uh, what's gonna come out of it. But yeah, we've got really cool guests coming on as well. Like, yeah, it's just fun. The, like, I've learned so much within this episode itself, and that's that's class. Like, yeah, every, especially having di- like different guests from different um, like sports, and like we've had people from pole vault, high jump, basketball people from different cultures um so like i love learning about like the transition that where people sort of get released and, and, and that's my really my mission trying to sort of support these people um but also performance psychology you you've touched great light on that as well so yeah, yeah. I've, uh, that's sort of like all the questions we had in like in terms of uh, your career. professional career yeah and your sporting career um but we've, this is probably like you, you have like got the most questions we've ever asked um, like from our audience. It's crazy. So we've picked our favorite ones, but um, there could have been so much more what we could have included. But the podcast had gone forever. Yeah, literally. <laughs> You've got a loyal following. Yeah, you do, man. God, that's, that's a good sign, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Go on, all. Yeah, so the first one is, 
is Joey going to be returning to Adelaide to play for the Woodville, Woodville Warriors in NBL one? Uh, <laughs> my guess is as good as yours, but I, we'll see. <laughs> I, I definitely would like to go back there. Like if it was up to me, yes. Um, but it's professional basketball is a bloodbath, man. There's so many people who want your spot and there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of demand and not a lot of supply. So, um, it, it, I mean, if if it was up to me, yes, that's about the best answer I could give. <clears throat> so the second question was, what is your favorite basketball memory? <sighs> Damn. <laughs> My favorite basketball memory. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> man. I have I have some it's weird because the ones that are that stand out to me the most like the most powerful ones are actually like the negative ones weirdly enough like the losses because like I learned so much from those um, like first first thing that actually came to my mind was my last college game like I'll never forget that um, I actually fouled out like I, I fouled out of the game and like having to sit with those feelings and like our team almost came back and we lost by one point or I think it was three points. We were down one, like with a chance to win it and um, having to like sit through that and watch that was like one of the most powerful experiences of my life. Like I easily, I could say like it sucked, but like, no, like I learned so much like about just like patience and being able to understand like trust, like trusting your teammates and, and, you know, having like so many different emotions flying at once. Like that was something that stood out to me the most uh, favorite. Like, I mean, we won a lot of games in college. So like um, my favorite experience was probably um, getting, going to the final four in division three. Like we got to like, we really felt like some D one players <laughs> that whole week. Like we were just like pretty much pampered. Like we were in like a super nice hotel for a week. They were just like supplying us with food, drinks and everything. And we were, we were treated very well. So um, that that whole, that, that was a great experience as well. Man, I love this message you keep reiterating. Like for any listeners, sort of looking at the positives from setbacks and and stuff like that, like is so key. Um, and something like you must have just a natural ability to be able to do that. Like, I dude, I'm weird that. like that, man. Like, <laughs> I literally like he's he said my favorite basketball memory, but the two things that came to my mind were losses. Negatives, yeah. yeah. It's That's weird, good. but that's what I think, yeah. That's good. Uh, the next one is, who is your biggest inspiration besides Steph Curry? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, this person knows you love yeah. Steph Curry. <laughs> that was in the question? Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, yeah, literally everyone knows, like, Steph Curry is my guy. But Yeah. Um, I think this was your girlfriend who asked this. Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She would know. Um, my biggest inspiration besides Steph Curry... Um, <laughs> clay thompson <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I, mean, I would say actually to, to be honest my i had a high school coach who um uh, actually just recently passed away tragically but um he was like my literally like he brought me up in those those periods where like I, my first two years of high school i wasn't good i was you know behind like i was small and then my last two years of high school i got better and it literally like he was a huge catalyst in that and he you know, was always positive and always like helping me throughout like all of my, all of my negative experiences, all of my positive experiences. He was there like the entire time throughout my high school career. Um, and he was like, by he's by far the most influential coach I've ever had. So like 
he he inspired me for sure to keep going and, and he always told me like I can keep playing after high school when I didn't believe I could so um um yeah sh- coach Huber shout out coach Huber he definitely was my inspiration I love that <clears throat> um the fourth one was where do you see yourself in five years <laughs> where do I see myself in five years yeah god um in the NBA Steph Curry. Yeah, I'd be retired by then, honestly. But, um, man, five years from now, I would hope I'm I'm doing work like kind of what I mentioned. Like I'd like to kind of start a practice in this in in the sports psychology and skill development world, and and you know have like a a strong base with that, and be able to work with 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 kids, with you know professional athletes, college athletes, uh, the whole lot, and, and be able to um, kind of have my own practice. That'd be, that'd be a great goal for five years from now. Um, and I, I think that would definitely be that that's the path I'm on. And that's the path. That's where I, that the destination where I want to be in around that time. I, I think your girlfriend asked this one as well. So you might have to mention marriage or having kids or <laughs> yeah. something like that. <laughs> <laughs> then. Yeah. No, I'm joking. Uh, but um yeah the next one is so you've played at colleges um like how good do you have to be to get into the nba like how good are these players who make it to that level dude it's funny because a couple people here in the uk have actually asked me like are you trying to go back to the nba like to make it to the nba is is one of the hardest things you can do in any sport like there's like it's way easier to make the nfl than the nba it's way easier to play like professional hockey than the nba um i don't know like i, I even think in football no because like the nba is so small so there's like 32 teams and that's it like football you could have a really good career across europe and like and even in england it's like the prem it's not just that it's also all the way down to league two even national league level you can you can still earn thousands so so yeah, yeah and there's so much of like a i feel like there's so many like academy teams within football where you can like kind of come up the ranks and you can be like associated with a club at a young age. Mm. Um, there's nothing like that in the NBA. You don't have that, that connection. Um, you really have to be um, to make it to the NBA. You have to go D one. Um, if you go D two or D three, I mean, I can't tell you the last player that's made it to the NBA at a D two or D three, maybe D two, but D three, it's been a long time. I can tell Devin George was the last player. I know that. Um, and that was in like 04. But um, yeah, you have to be, you have to be at a D1. You have to, if you're at a high level D1, you have to either be extremely gifted athletically. You have to have like a, a an NBA body, as they say, um, or you have to just ball out and you have to like be dominating division one to potentially have a shot. And that's really your only chance. Like if you don't do that, you can potentially go to the G League and, and work your way up. But 99% of players in the G League don't make it to the NBA. Like they're mm. just there for the dream. And that's really all, that's all it ends up being. But um, it's extremely difficult. I can't stress that enough. Yeah. One question, like it's not, like, this is just my question. Have you ever played with or, or against a, a person who's made it to the NBA? Or do you know of anyone in your area who's sort of gone on to play in the NBA? Yeah, um, a few actually. There's there's a couple dudes who like were on the fringe who didn't really make it. Like I played against um, a guy named Ivan Rab in high school, and he was like Bay Area. He's from the Bay Area where I'm from, and he just like everyone knew who he was. Um, and he was 
unreal. Like, yeah, I think he had like 40 and 20 on us, like 40 points, 20 rebounds. And wow. he, like, wasn't, he wasn't even trying. That's the crazy thing. He yeah, was just yeah. like chilling the whole time. And he, he went to uh, Cal and then got drafted and was on the Memphis Grizzlies for a little bit, but didn't really make it. But the other one is Aaron Gordon um, oh, yeah. plays on the Nuggets now. Um, he actually, funny story, the sports psychologist who I work with has been working with Aaron Gordon since he was 11 years old. So like, that's another, like, he's from the Bay area and um, he found it. He, he saw Aaron Gordon at a camp and he saw like, obviously the potential and he kind of like, you know, started working with him from a young age. And that was like another huge lesson for me. I know this is kind of getting off the question a little bit, but like if you're a sports psychologist and you see an athlete who has like extremely gifted athletic abilities, like you better get in touch with him. You better Man, start that, working with him. That guy is athletic as well. My God. Yeah. Him in the dunk yeah. contest is pff, different. Grader. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, I mean, I've seen him, I've seen him in person. And it's like unreal to watch yeah. him. Like, just jump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Um, the next question was, when did you see meditation making a big impact in your life and your athletics and how? And that was a question from uh, Riley. Joe Riley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like. Shout out Riley. Um, he's an Australian. Went to Whitman College, though. Um, it was at college, to be honest. Like... Um, I actually started meditating in high school. Uh, me and my one of my best friends from high school has just started doing it. Um, like I said, like I didn't know sports psychology existed. I never made the connection of like, oh, I should maybe do this before games. But um, no, I started doing meditation um, before games. And I, I actually would have like a little spot I would go to before games. I would kind of go in this like dark room when everyone would go out for warm ups, and I would stay behind and I just like sit with all these feelings. Um, and just meditate on them. And I found that like, they really helped me in like the first five minutes of the game, you know, cause that's usually when you, when all those pregame jitters are still there. Um, and I realized like meditating right before I go out uh, was like super powerful in the sense that like, it let me, it let me just become like, you still feel those the, that nervousness. You still feel all those feelings, but like they just flow through a little, a little more, uh, just a little easier. And they're not, they're not as, you know, bogged down in your, like, and you don't feel as tense when you're, uh, when you're out there. And I think that's what meditation really, really helps for me. I don't know whether you, you know, but um, Joe Rogan, he sort of does this a- after a day. So like if he's ever like gone training or, or done, I know he's like a comedian. Um, he'll go back to like his studio where he does the podcast and he has like this big dark chamber um, and he'll just go in there and sort of meditate and sort of, like just let all these stresses and stuff just go out of his head and then when he comes out he just feels so relaxed um and sort of has a better perspective on things now um so yeah like, i really want to try and get into i've never meditated in my life um i, I think i find it quite difficult but I, I think everyone sort of um thinks like that before they even try it so maybe it's, it's like really- a, a challenge we'll, we'll sort of set ourselves is like 30 days of meditation or something i'm so yeah. down yeah yeah i'm down <laughs> <laughs> It's one of the hardest things to do consistently. It's really hard. I also started doing like breathing. Like, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Wim Hof, but like the Wim Hof breathing technique is something I also started doing before games. And that's like, um, it's just like cool to switch it up, you know, like that's meditation to me. And it's just like a different way to do it. So there's so many different ways to kind of incorporate it into your life. You just have to kind of do a little bit of research and find, uh, find some variety in it. I think that's the biggest thing. 
Yeah, something I do when I get sort of anxious and overwhelmed is um, four, seven, eight technique, um, which is is something that's been promoted as well. I promoted it on my blog. It just in, it helps reduce anxiety and stuff. So so yeah. The next one is um, why is it called the Integrity League? What's this about? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I asked it with not much uh, substance behind it, so I didn't didn't really know. How that would be taken? Who asked that question? We'll have to have a look. Oh, I'll right, no. But yeah, what, what do you mean by that? It's not a big deal. Um, <laughs> basically, that's our like fantasy football league. Um, this All is right. this this is not podcast material. <laughs> <laughs> basically, uh, basically, when I was in high school, um, I was a young kid. You know, young kids do dumb things and. Um, I basically like would cheat on fantasy football and I like put players who were on my bench into my starting lineup. And then from then on, like, like I, I just like got suspended for the rest of the fantasy football season. Our fantasy football league is like pretty big. Like it's like, you know, we're, we're, we're into it. So, um, whoever asked that freaking question, man, God, Ben, bug. ben. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's classic. Yeah, no, <laughs> we like made our league the integrity league because, you know, we're all about integrity now. And ever since then, like that was a life lesson for me. There you go. Like I learned, okay, can't, can't do that. <laughs> no, anything, any, you got to do anything to win a uh, fancy football. Like I'm I, a... I, yeah. <laughs> I'm not I that. <laughs> um, the last question was, does Kurt Whitmore ring a bell? Uh, who was your favorite child back in Australia? There's things we don't know here, Joey. Or... <laughs> why, why do you have to phrase it like that, man? <laughs> Here's your favorite child. <laughs> Kurt Whitmore does ring a bell. It's the, that's the son of the coach of the team I was playing for in Australia. Oh, right. <laughs> so, okay, okay. No, nah, I mean, yeah, he definitely. He was my favorite. <laughs> yeah, He's my yeah, favorite yeah. guy. <laughs> in australia yeah. that, was, that was my dude though he's 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 a legend but um if i mean if i if kurt if you're listening tell your dad to, to hit me up for next year yeah yeah trust me <laughs> getting back in so um yeah that, i thought that that's sort of all the questions we had for you uh, we sort of give the guests anything they want to plug um like if, if you've got anything to say it now um no, I mean, I'm, I mean, just I'm a big fan of the podcast, guys. Honestly, like, I think this is so sweet that you guys are doing this. I mean, it's the fact that you're doing this at this age. Like, I thought like starting Instagram was daunting at this age, but a whole, a whole freaking podcast, like that's, that's impressive. Like, I'm sure it's really uncomfortable. So I commend you guys for doing that. And like, you know, I'm a fan moving forward. Um, I'm excited to watch it grow. And obviously, um, you know, we'll continue to maybe do some more stuff with like my sports like now account, and we can, you know continue to build ourselves up and and you know work together and thank you for coming on mate like you're you're such an easy person to talk to so laid back like you're making it like much easier for us so yeah we really appreciate you man yeah definitely all of your socials will be like in the in the description on our youtube channel um but other than that yeah th thank you for coming on um if you could please share this with your friends or someone you'd feel would benefit from it. Um, most importantly, like, subscribe, uh, comment down below um, any questions you had on, on that you thought you had during this and we'll, we'll be sure to ask Joey or, or we'll try and answer it best we can. Um, 
comment down below any guests or topics you'd like us to cover in the future. Uh, and other than that, thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next one. Bye, guys. Thanks, boys. Thanks, boys.